welcome to Retina in Focus, a VRC podcast. Stay ahead of your eye health with insights from the nation's leading doctors in retina and macula care. For more information, visit vrcny.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to another episode of Retina in Focus. I'm Dr. James Lynn. And I'm Dr. Albert Lee. And today we're going to be talking about retinal vein occlusions. So, Dr. Lee, what exactly, in layman's terms, what is a retinal vein occlusion? A retinal vein occlusion is when one of the veins which carries blood out of the eye, it gets blocked. And I compare it to if you have a sink and the sink gets clogged, everything gets kind of backed up. Because one of the reasons why we are concerned about retinal vein occlusions is because this can affect someone's vision. The, the way it affects someone's vision is that when the vein gets blocked, things get backed up and people can develop swelling or what we call edema in the macula, which is responsible for central vision. Definitely retinal swelling is one of the main reasons why people lose their vision. And so now one of the main typical treatments that we have today is, as in commonly may have heard, getting people receiving injections for retinal swelling or retinal edema. Usually these injections are a series of injections that patients will receive. So I think it's really important to talk a little bit about or mention to patients that it's not a one and done kind of situation. You have to keep coming back for injections. And patients will often ask me, doctor, how many times am I going to get these injections? Sometimes it's very hard to say because it depends on how you respond. I would say that if the vein occlusion is more severe and it causes more areas of the retina not to have good blood supply, then you probably will be needing more injections than if you had more of a partial vein occlusion. So there's some variation in that regard. Right. I think it's important to know, as you mentioned, renal vein occlusions come in all different shapes and sizes. You could have a central renal vein occlusion, which involves one of the major veins that drains blood from the eye, or you could have a branch renal vein occlusion. And depending on the severity of the vein occlusion, which we'll be able to figure out in the office, that will certainly dictate what the prognosis of your vision will be. And we do want to note that the treatments that we have are quite successful, quite effective for the majority of patients with the vein occlusion. And it requires a series of injections, but I've had patients after their first injection, they've had a significant increase in vision, even back to their baseline. And another thing to note is actually a lot of patients will often ask, doctor, why did I even get this in the first place? And by and large, one of the main risk factors will be high blood pressure. And especially in elderly, this disease tends to skew towards the elderly population. So many of these patients will have a history of high blood pressure or a history of high cholesterol, um, diabetes. All these things are risk factors that can contribute to this occurring so that's really important for patients to follow up with their primary doctor and make sure that their blood pressure, their blood sugar, all these things are well controlled and addressed as well. Certainly other things that can increase one's risk for developing a retinal vein occlusion include glaucoma for a central retinal vein occlusion. Certainly if the pressure goes really high in the eye, that can limit the amount of blood flow that leaves the eye and cause um, a retinal vein occlusion. Sometimes some certain medications, such as oral contraceptives, can predispose someone to developing a renal vein occlusion, which is why it's really important when you come see the ophthalmologist, when you come see the retina specialist, to make sure you have a list of medications that you've been taking. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think like Dr. Lee mentioned, I mean, some of these medications can predispose you to having developing a vein occlusion. And especially when a young patient comes in or a patient comes in with no prior medical history, totally healthy, we have to dig a little deeper and try to figure out why they developed a vein occlusion. And so it's important to perform a extensive workup, would eat blood tests and blood pressure check and things like that just to see why this might have developed. You know, it reminds me, I had a patient who came in, uh, was referred to me for retinal vein occlusion, and she said she had no history of high blood pressure. We checked her blood pressure in the office. It was relatively high. And then her, she had an extremely low pulse. So I sent her immediately to her primary care doctor. She was diagnosed with heart block, sent to the emergency room to get a pacemaker. So renal vein occlusions can be a presenting sign of something that's going on elsewhere in the body. So we're very fortunate that we get to work with primary care doctors to make sure that we're covering all our bases. And it's just another sign that the retina is really a window into your entire general health. Yeah. And also a really interesting patient that I came across as well as no prior medical history, but there's a young male that presented with vision loss in one eye and then no prior medical history. When you dig a little deeper in, in our history, he did mention that he was playing soccer and uh, hadn't drank water for a while and then developed vision loss. And so actually in rare cases, even something as obscure as dehydration can cause the blood to sludge and, and basically cause problems with the circulation and the retinal circulation. So that what's all we call like a marathon runner's retinopathy. And so this disease process can present in a variety of patients. And so it's really very important to continue looking out for it. You know, I guess just to go back to this, retinal vein occlusions can present in many different ways. Sometimes people can have a very minimal effect on their vision. Sometimes it can have a quite a profound effect in their vision to the point that some people even have bleeding in their eyes. I've certainly seen cases like this before. Have you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the major complications is abnormal blood vessels that can grow in the back of the eye. And when these blood vessels grow uncontrolled, then they can actually cause bleeding into the eye and sometimes severe enough that they can also cause the eye pressure to go up and cause glaucoma as well. And so in those types of situations, there would be more of a serious complication of this disease. And so they may require further treatment, sometimes even surgery if it's very severe. Unfortunately, not all patients recover good vision when these kinds of complications occur. I always like to tell patients that the vision that you come in with is a very good prognostic factor for what your ultimate vision will be. Certainly, we've had success stories where someone comes in with very blurry vision, where they can't even see the big E on the chart, and they recover a great amount of their vision. But I think that's a good rule of thumb. And I think the, the cases that you're describing where they have severe bleeding in their eye or it causes a pressure to go up in their eye, those cases thankfully are rare. Yeah, and even sometimes when that happens, when you have abnormal bleeding in the eye, I mean, A, it's important. That's why your retina specialist will check continuously, have you come in continuously, if not just for injections, but also to check for any size of abnormal bleeding. If that occurs, then you may need even a laser into the eye to try to stop those blood vessels from growing. So generally, the medical treatment is a combination of either the injections and or laser. I think that because retinal vein occlusions, there are so many different types. You have small ones that may not affect vision. 
You have large ones, which it's obvious to the patient that there is something going on in their retina. But I think that underscores the point that if you are diagnosed with a retinal vein occlusion, even if you don't feel like you have symptoms, it's still important to have follow-up because of these complications. Although these complications are rare, we want to be able to diagnose them early so that we can uh, administer the appropriate treatment, whether it involves injections or laser. Maybe let's talk a little bit about the ways that we can diagnose retinal vein occlusions in the office. Yeah. So obviously one of the typical ways that we can diagnose is just by looking into the eye just with an exam. Sometimes if the vein occlusion is serious enough that it can cause some bleeding in the retina tissue and there can be some effect on the blood vessels as well that are seen on exam. So that's one way. Is it possible for someone to self-diagnose a retinal vein occlusion? Let's say by looking at the mirror. Right. If your eyes are red, could that be a sign of retinal vein occlusion? And it wouldn't involve pain. Generally, it doesn't involve pain either. So it can be very, you'd have to see a retina specialist or an ophthalmologist at least just to get the initial diagnosis. And then one other method that we can commonly use to diagnose is with what we call angiogram, forcing angiogram, which is a exam, the test where we inject the eye into the veins of the arm. And then we take a series of photos looking at the blood flow pattern in the back of the eye. And that'll give us a much clearer picture of where the vein occlusion is, where there may be a lack of blood supply to the retina. I think that this underscores the importance on whether it's your optometrist or your ophthalmologist or your retina specialist, a retinal vein occlusion, because it's in the retina, we do have to dilate your pupils Mm. uh, in order for us to be able to see the retinal veins and to see if a retinal vein occlusion has occurred. Sometimes it's quite difficult if this has happened quite a number of years in the past to determine it. Certainly when there is someone who recently had a vein occlusion, we would see a lot of bleeding in the retina. But sometimes with an older retinal vein occlusion, some of those hemorrhages may have already resorbed by the body and the body has tried to heal itself. But the fluorescine angiogram where we look at the blood flow and the circulation of the eye that fluorescein angiogram can give us clues that that may be one of the reasons why someone hasn't had really great vision for a while. Let's talk about treatments. Now there are a lot of injections that are available, a lot of different medications that are available. What do you typically use when someone comes in with swelling and decreased vision for vein occlusion? I'll usually start with treating on a monthly basis. So I would have the patient come back after you know their first injection in about a month's time just to see how they're responding and then plan to give another injection. And I usually give a series of injections. So typically after a couple of injections, I get a good sense of if this is working. And I really kind of tell patients, again, it's really dependent on how their swelling is responding to the injections. That basically kind of determines whether or not I feel like it's safe to extend the interval in between injections. (laughs) Or, you know, in some cases, if I think that the patient's doing very, very well, that the swelling probably will come back depending on the extent of their vein occlusion, then we can even try uh, just a, a period of time not giving an injection and seeing how they do if the swelling comes back. And the type of injections that we typically give at, at, as first line, I, I imagine you do the same because I do the same treatment um, protocol is judging every time you come into the office, whether there's swelling or not, and how long it has been since the last injection. We use a class of medications first line that are in a class called anti-VEGF. 
or VEGF. It stands for vascular endothelial growth factor. Some of the popular brands out there include Avastin, uh, Lucentis, and there are others that are in development as well. And these injections work pretty well for renal vein occlusion. But then you have some patients that don't really respond to any of these medications, even if they come back on a monthly basis and they're receiving these injections and things aren't getting any better, then is there something else that potentially we can use for them? There are other injections that we have in our armamentarium of medications that we can give, including steroids. And steroids can block more of the inflammatory factors in the eye and reduce swelling, and, and patients do notice an increase in vision. Some of the brands include Hazardex or Triessence. I don't use that as a first-line medication because there are risk factors with steroids that include faster development of a cataract, especially if you haven't had cataract surgery, or glaucoma. It can sometimes exacerbate someone who already has pre-existing glaucoma. So one of the sort of you can call old school methods is actually using laser to try to treat the swelling. I found that in some cases it actually works really well, but really it kind of depends. You know, I treat based on what the individual looks like, and it's not like a sort of one size fits all kind of treatment plan. So your retina doctor may even mention or decide to use laser if you do have swelling in the retina. So that is an option. You know, and in 10 years, we'll probably be talking about a whole different list of medications and treatments for renal vein occlusions. There's certainly clinical trials that we're involved in that are looking at the next generation of medications for renal vein occlusions. So we're certainly excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot coming down the pike. And yeah, I think retina is a very fast changing field and there's always new treatment techniques coming out, especially for patients that do have retinal vein occlusions. They should never feel like there's no hope for them. So it's really with our current technology and access to treatment, patients can do very well. So someone may be hearing our podcast and be wondering, you're talking about injections in the eye. Mm. Wouldn't that be painful? I said generally, I mean, we give anesthesia to the eye. We give local anesthesia to the eye and it's very well tolerated. These injections are commonly used for other conditions such as diabetic swelling or even macular degeneration. So yeah, this is something that in this time and age, it's very common for patients to be getting injections in their retina doctor's office. So this is the bread and butter for most of our practices. Hey, don't be scared. We do this quite routinely and we numb up the eye very well. So in fact, I think in my experience, patients don't complain about the injection itself. We do have to use a type of soap called betadine to reduce the risk of infection, which is a small risk associated with this procedure. And it feels like getting soap in your eye. So for the few hours after the injection, you may feel itchy, scratchy. That's normal, but that should pass just like if you were to get soap in the eye. But other than that, there's minimal discomfort, maybe a little pressure when the procedure is uh, done. And many patients do have a significant increase in their vision whether it's after their first injection or after a series of injections with the vein occlusion. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Retina in Focus. We hope to see you next time. We hope to see you around. 